Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. It's Friday, January 28th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. A St. Louis area speed skater is hoping for gold at the upcoming Winter Olympics in China. I'm very excited to go compete and stuff, and I would obviously love to do my best, and if I can bring home a medal, that would be amazing. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenske introduces us to Afton native and Olympic speed skater Ian Quinn in just a few minutes. More changes are possible for a proposed congressional redistricting map passed last week by members of the Missouri House. As St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg reports, revisions to the St. Louis area, including St. Charles and Jefferson counties, are being discussed. The proposed redistricting map would likely keep the current congressional makeup, with two Democrats and six Republicans. A faction of Republican senators on Wednesday spent around five hours speaking against the map. One area of conflict is the 2nd Congressional District, which includes parts of St. Louis and St. Charles counties, with calls to make it even more Republican. According to Senate leadership, any changes to the map would likely be to this area. However, Senator Brian Williams of St. Louis says he is advocating for a map with greater Democratic representation. I think it's just a lot of work we need to do in the greater St. Louis region. And, um, you know, until it's a fair map and and it's representing the electorate in Missouri, I'm going to be strongly opposed to it. The Senate may debate the map Monday. In Jefferson City, I'm Sarah Kellogg, St. Louis Public Radio. Missouri currently earmarks $2 for every person who visits a casino to veterans programs. A state lawmaker wants to increase that to half of all gaming revenue, including the lottery. Republican Representative Dave Griffith of Jefferson City is sponsoring a measure that would put that question to voters. He says everything about the state's budget process is unfair to veterans. Encourage them to have a line item in the budget. We had this for a long time. Have a line item in the budget to where we can have a revenue stream we know is going to be dependable each and every year. Griffith says an increase in veterans' suicide and unused capacity at the state-run veterans' homes are signs Missouri needs to do more. The state's funding to the Veterans Commission has gone down 30 percent in recent years. Labor organizers and faith-based leaders are calling for safer working conditions at warehouses following last month's collapse of an Amazon facility in Edwardsville that was hit by a tornado. Many rallied yesterday in the Metro East. Arnitra Rhodes says her cousin died at the Edwardsville facility. She also works at an Amazon warehouse in Hazelwood and says that facility does not have safe shelters for extreme weather. All these warehouses out here, we have no type of safety to go to. We need this. We demand this. Not that we want it. We need this. We need to be protected. Rhodes says the six deaths at the Edwardsville warehouse were preventable. Amazon officials say workers followed the proper safety procedures when that tornado hit. The University City School District wants to help people understand black history and celebrate black accomplishments through a community-wide book study of the 1619 Project. The month-long virtual study begins February 4th. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. The district decided to offer the online book study after some students asked for more information on African-American history than they are learning in school. 
District officials say the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine is a good vehicle to thoroughly examine racism and black life in America. Christina Sneed is a curriculum coordinator for the district. She says the book study aims to bring communities together by exploring difficult chapters in the nation's history. With all that's happening at our state level, governing body and throughout the country, they are trying to prevent us from doing it in schools, so we'll do it with community. Sneed hopes the discussions will encourage participants to share their knowledge about Black history throughout the year. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. An Afton native is going for the gold in Beijing. 28-year-old Ian Quinn is a U.S. speed skater at this year's Winter Olympics. He will compete in an event where more than 20 athletes line up at the start and the first to skate 16 laps wins. Quinn spoke with St. Louis on the air host Sarah Fenske a few days before leaving for China for the Games and said he's focused on the competition and COVID. Trying to stay healthy, kind of quarantining ourselves from the public, um, just so we can make sure we can get into the the bubble that's in uh, Beijing. So you are, I imagine, seeing nobody at this point that you don't have to actually see. Yeah, basically only seeing my teammates and hanging out with them, and that's it. We pretty much do pick up groceries and hang out at our houses and go to the rink, and that's about it. How did you get started in speed skating? Is there much of a scene here in St. Louis? There's actually two clubs in St. Louis, uh, Gateway Speed Skating and St. Louis Speed Skating. When I was eight years old, my parents were just looking for something for me to do to let out some energy and stuff. And my uh, godfather, Rich Eswine, he was helping kind of coach, and his sons did speed skating at Gateway. And he's like, well, why don't you come out and try that? And I came out and tried it and really enjoyed it and just kept sticking with it because I love the racing and the, just being out there so much. When did this switch from a hobby to something that you were really serious about? I was actually at an age group national probably when I was in sixth grade. The year before that, I got to compete in my first age group national in short track. Uh, I think it was in Madison, Wisconsin. And I didn't do very well. I fell most races, was just skating off the back of the pack, not really being able to keep up. And then the next year was in Cleveland, Ohio. And in the very first race, which was a seven-lap race, I won it and set an age group national record in it. And both me and my dad were kind of like, oh, I guess we're a lot better than we thought we were from last year. Did that just come out of nowhere that you went from back of the pack to all of a sudden like you're setting a record? Yeah, it was it was definitely a jump of the year. We really, I mean, we were still kind of new to the sport relatively then, especially to the national racing scene. So we really didn't know what to expect. I was just happy to be at age group nationals and racing. And I just had a really great race. And we both looked at each other and like, oh, I guess we're in the middle of potentially winning the, the age group national championship. And at that point then, were people all over you like, man, you got to start getting really serious about this. You know, you got to put in more time. Not really at that age. That came more probably two or three years later. I did well at another age group national competition and stuff, and I got looked at to go up and train at the uh, United States Olympic Education Center in Marquette, Michigan, between my eighth grade year in school and my freshman year of high school. So I went up there that summer with a number of other junior athletes, and we trained with kind of a development team up there at the time for the entire summer. That was kind of my first exposure to high-level speed skating, this isn't just like you're competing against the clock. You guys are literally all out there together, 24 athletes on the start line. How does that favor your skills right there? It really uh, allows me to just use my racing skills and not necessarily have to worry about the uh, clock or what the time needs to be. It's just more about whoever's the first person to cross the line. And uh, To me, it's a really clear way of racing, and my mind just for some reason really latches onto that. Can it be pretty rough and tumble when you've got that many guys on the ice going that fast? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it can get a little handsy for sure sometimes. The women's race is generally a little more handy than the guys' race. The guys are usually moving a bit faster, and if you waste your time fighting for position or doing things like that, it generally costs yourself a lot of energy. But yeah, it can get a little bit pushy, especially whenever the pace is a little bit slower. This was your third attempt to make the Olympic team, and you made it, and I understand did amazing in those Olympic trials. What was different for you this year? I got a new coach three years ago named Gabriel Gerard. He uh, came down and took over the long-distance program here, and he made a huge difference in my training. He uh, added a lot of things that I wasn't doing before and stuff, and I think it got me a lot stronger with my ability to race and then him getting me the ability to finally have that world-class engine, let's say. It really, it really took off for me. I think that was a huge change for me. This all kind of comes down to one day. I understand your semifinal and potentially final race would both be on February 19th. How do you mentally prepare for a day that's that make or break? I try to look at it as any other day. I'm very excited to go compete and stuff, and I would obviously love to do my best, and if I can bring home a medal, that would be amazing. That was St. Louis area Olympic speed skater Ian Quinn speaking with St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Fenske. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. Before wrapping up, this is a bittersweet day at St. Louis Public Radio. Editor Maria Altman is moving on to her next career chapter. For the past few years, she's been our business, education, and newscast editor, all while juggling the responsibilities of two young children during a pandemic. She summed up the experience for her and so many others in a 2020 audio essay. So today's work list said 9.30 meeting, 10.30 call with reporters, edit manufacturer spots and web, edit web on New Bishop, and edit audio and education story. The school list was a lot longer. Spelling test, religion test, learning assessment, pages 109 through 120 in grammar book, more research on Laura Ingalls Wilder, one more math video, two worksheets, and extra math. Yes, you heard me right. The school is still assigning extra math. I never heard about how all that homework turned out. (laughs) Maria has been at the station a while and spent much of her time here as a newscaster. You're listening to St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. It's 632. Good evening. I'm Maria Altman. The president of the Missouri History Museum has resigned. Still the best-sounding journalist in the newsroom. Maria also hit her stride as a top-notch reporter. I'm standing outside the America Center right on Washington Avenue. There's a small group of Obama supporters with signs. I did have one person offer me a Hillary Clinton sticker. McKee apologized almost immediately for remaining quiet for the five years he bought up more than 900 parcels. It's hard to overstate how big of a deal the National Plowing Championships are in Ireland. The Irish Prime Minister attended, the Minister of Jobs, and lots of other dignitaries, including the U.S. Ambassador to Ireland. And that voice was here when area communities went through some of their toughest times. Charles Cookie Thornton stormed a city council meeting, killing two police officers, two council members, the public works director, and injuring two others before police shot and killed him. Thornton had It's easy to become jaded in this business, but Maria always managed to report on some interesting stuff throughout the region. Like in 2015, when she let readers and listeners know the National Christmas Tree Association is based in Chesterfield. Executive Director Rick Dungy says Missouri is not a top-producing Christmas tree state, but he says for their members, their location really doesn't matter. And for the curious, Missouri ranks 26th in Christmas tree production. Illinois is 19th. 
Although Maria has gone far in her career, she's not going far from the station. You might hear her from time to time on our airwaves or read her stories that she has edited on our website. So technically, today is not a goodbye. It's a day for us at the station, past and present, to wish one of the best, all the best. I'm Maria Altman, St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Wayne Pratt. This has been The Gateway. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.